You're listening to The Wine Show Australia. My name's Richo Damani. I've got in the studio Jordan Gravestein co-hosting and it's very good morning to you, Cara Masano. Welcome back. Good morning. Hello. On this bright and sunny spring day. It's great to have you here. And we were just talking off air about the fact that you're wearing a white top and a white jacket, which... You know, you'd never, people never wear anything white to a wine tasting. Otherwise, you'll end up like Geordie covered in red wine. <laughs> so, you know. Now, Jordan's obviously a big Carlton guy. Your restaurant's in Carlton. What was it like last Friday? Oh, great vibes. They were very, very excited. Um, Carlton's always a bit of an underdog. So it was lovely to see us up there. But, uh, are, you, are you a fan as well? I am, yeah. I actually support a few teams. I like to be a bit more... Uh, Do you like me? There's more than just me out there with, with two more it, than You know, it's good team. for customers. Aggravates the living daylights out of my husband. But uh, <laughs> Is he a Carlton man? No. No, who does he support? He's an, an obsessive Geelong supporter. Ah, boo. <laughs> <laughs> and they're always up there with Collingwood. And yeah, yeah. It was so good, refreshing to see Carlton. Well, yeah, I mean, and so Jordan's other team is Brisbane, so he's in a bit of a win-win situation. But is it? Does it really? How does how does Carlton go? Because you're not on Ligon Street, you're on Drummond Street, right? Correct. Yeah. Does it does it get absolutely mental uh, around there as well? Or? Yeah, I think um, I think it was really conducive to the weather being so summery and refreshing, and we didn't really have much of a summer last year or no. this year. Um, so yeah, everyone was just really pumped up. There's something about the spring that um, got people out drinking and enjoying, particularly dining outside, which was great. Well, uh, we had Katie Spain on a few weeks ago, sort of talking about this thing too, like hyper local places, particularly in the Adelaide Hills, and you know she's she's out in the country. But you know, Melbourne did it pretty tough for a long time. Yeah, very because much so. because we and we, I just. We're just starting to get back into it, is my point. Yes. And it, isn't it great to see people out and about again? Oh, it's great. And, you know, Melbourne really has that liveliness and they, they love being out and about. Potentially the, the timetables have shifted in terms of, you know, Fridays, not many people, a lot of people are working from home. Yep. Um, during the week can sort of be a bit more corporate. Um, weekends, uh, sort of people dine out a little earlier. So I think that classical week was very much shifted over the course of COVID and, you know, technology and Zoom meetings, et cetera, but giving people a bit more work-life balance. Yeah. And you really see this shift in a bit of city um, frequency or going into the city restaurants and yep. eating out in the city and then supporting the local suburbs, which is really, really great. But they're they're out and about. Inflation, recession, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, being a sommelier and running a restaurant like Masani Dining, you can't really dial it in from home, can you, Cara? No, no. Look, we did a bit of that um, in the last uh, sort of lockdowns. People really got sick and tired of cooking. Um, yeah. But, you know, only certain dishes could be packaged per se. I mean, there's there's plenty of burgers and other takeaway which are saturated by lots of brands and companies and, and have their delivery set up for that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 been really nice to, to have them back. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice to go back yeah. is the thing, right? I mean, and no masks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the masks you know, like, is hard. As, yeah. a, as someone serving, yeah. my face is oh, yeah. really important. Expression, yeah. connecting with people totally. or not connecting with people yeah. or, you know, the, the mask is just I, – I don't wear it. Um, yeah. I don't have – health conditions, but it yep. was just so claustrophobic. You, you make a really good point, actually, because I remember going to uh, Mateo's with my good mate Ewan Proctor. Doc, if he's probably probably uh, not 
I know he was going out tonight in London, but, you know, we were trying to get him on the show. We'll get him again. But we went to Mateo's whilst we could take our masks off to dine, but our waiter, who is a very famous waiter in Melbourne, couldn't. And, yeah, we lost that, just a little glint, all of those subtle expressions when you're trying to sell a dish or sell food or sell sell wine, in your case, it can be really just... And for me, working in retail... Mate, my, most of what I do is this smile and, you know, this, I get so engaged. There's but. almost like an element of trust that's lost. Yeah. And you just become so, uh, you're not unique in you. And I think when people dine, they're looking for that connection with mm. the personnel. You know, have I chosen correctly? Um, is what I'm ordering the right thing? Is it the best offering for the season and for the venue or for the restaurant? Um, and wine is is very much about that personality, uh, where the mask just completely eradicated that. And, it and of course, you couldn't see my beautiful beard. Uh, and and in fact, when you put the beard on, I used to get this little dip in it, so I just shaved it off. <laughs> but I tell you, this is a true story, Jordan. When I shaved my beard off that first time, I had a beard, long beard, for maybe four years or something. Um, and it was winter, that first sort of lockdown. I couldn't sleep because my neck was so cold. It was... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I thought my chin was a lot further down on my body. But anyway, so uh, so a friend of the show and ex-co-host and soon to be again co-host, Courtney, who's coming to dinner with us tomorrow night, Cara. Fabulous. Has written in a question. What's the process that you go through when designing the wine list at Masani? And also, also do, you, do you write any wine lists for any other venues? Look, I haven't done um, wine lists per se for other venues. I have done some consultancy work um, for Vintage Sellers and the Coles Group and also for some other private clients assessing as to whether to import or sell a wine. Right. Um, which has been really interesting and fun. Um, loved working with Coles Liquor and um, Vintage Sellers, which is more sort of more their premium brand and, mm. and showing, I guess, the skill and the talents of someone who... Really, as a sommelier, you're so in tune to your palate and thinking about the flavours of food, what the ingredients taste like and how they counterbalance acid, tannin, etc., and aromatics in wine, yeah. um, which is essentially what I, what I do for a living. Um, this pandemic has been, or the post-pandemic aftermath. Namely... I call it uh, POCO. Post-COVID? <laughs> POCO. <laughs> I'm trying to get it. No one's sticking it. Hashtag POCO, people. Capital P-O, capital C-O, POCO. So all those price rises, particularly for imports, I mean, imports for us are still very strong. You know, France, Italy, um, I've seen some renewed interest in some fabulous wines of uh, Spain and a a, a cracking little wine from the Canary Islands. Oh, yeah. Mm, From Tenerife. Yeah, Tenerife, the old seven. Suestas del Marquez. Yeah, they're great wines. They are. I've got the El Esquilon. Right, because um, there's the Seven Fuentes or something. The there's there's that, a few. Yeah, this one was a single vineyard. Right, and the vine training, which is what I was looking at this morning, yeah, is braided. Oh right! So really? they can. It's, yeah, it's called Trenzado. Right, and it's braided, so then they can have crops either side. And it was initially so the Malvasia could grow long, and um, they had enough space. So it's wow. it's it's really fabulous. And I, I believe also because of the winds that come off at such a high altitude off the Atlantic, yeah. um, they have that vine training system as well. Anyway, just some weird... No, the Suertos del Marquez stuff's good. Is it Bebendum? Are they doing that? Where does that come from? They, it was initially um, 
uh, global wine merchants, and right. then um, I think it switched to the Bendham, so yeah. you know, claim to fame. No, they're they're good wines. I remember tasting them when I was at MW probably ten years ago, and thinking, and I. I Jancis Robinson or someone wrote something about how compelling they were. It's volcanic soil too, right? Yes. So there's minerality. And yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's Listan Negro. It's not, you know, rich like Pinot. It's, we're still getting our head, head around it. Yeah. But just something different. But coming back to the wine list, yes. uh, I guess I grew on a very classical base. Right. And so my focus is still classical. Um, but I try and get as much breadth from different countries, different price points. And when I'm looking at local, um, some, you know, more interesting, potentially smaller vineyards that you wouldn't see around the track. Yeah. Um, we love what, you know, off-premise does to give that exposure. Yeah. But we've also got to be mindful to sort of keep it as eclectic. And, you know, really good offerings by the glass. But I still have... Um, I love my fortifieds and my aperitifs, so I still try and give lots of options. So if you don't want to have wine, which, you know, people really dialled it back after COVID, Mm. um, you can spend your money in other other ways, you know, have a lovely manzanilla and then a glass of wine or a champagne, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And so how expensive is the list? How many wines would you have? Oh, look, I really keep it at around the 550, 600 mark. It depends what's coming in. Um, you know, it, cash flow can be uh, yeah. the, the crude awakening of mm. a, a sommelier. I mean, it's I can't just buy wine all the time. There yeah. are other things we need to pay for. Cogs. Yeah. Cogs, cost of goods, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and trying to buy wisely. And, you know, I, I think potentially many years ago you would buy quite big quantities. Mm. Um, we don't, we're not a multi, um, we don't have lots of venues. So I sort of look at stock. Nice to keep it fresh. But also this this time or this year I have been reinvesting in some of those wines that can age and become real signature pieces. Mm-hmm. Like 2019 Montrose is the birth year of my daughter. And ah. I was reading about it. I'm like, okay, let's go buy. That's, yeah. I was born in a terrible vintage for everything except for port, <laughs> oh. 1977. Yum. So, yeah. Oh, look, yeah. Taylor's 1977 or Wars or oh, Coburn's. Right. That's beautiful port. And having said that, I have tasted some reasonable good, reasonably good 77s around the traps. It's just not like an 86 or a 2019. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's also what is available in our market. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and one thing I, I mean, I get it all the time. Oh, you know, my friend's just had a baby. Can I buy a 2023 Grange or something? I'm like, well, mate, you don't even have to worry. You've got five years to worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, now, this does bring me on to a, a question that I was going to bring up anyway. So Christopher's texted through. Hi, Richo. Keen to know if Masani offer BYO. He's on the lookout for a nice BYO restaurant. So wh- where does where do you stand on, as a SOM and running a small business? Like, where do you stand on this? We're more than happy for people to, to bring their wine. Um, uh, I think potentially what can be lost in that communication is that if you're going to bring something which is fairly, let's call it, a bit of a quaffer. Yes. It's a bit of a waste of your don't, don't. corkage. I mean, we've got good glassware, linen. There are costs for people to serve and, yeah. and you know, rent. A whole series of costs have really gone up. Yes. So, And we're trying to keep also your dining experience a bit more interactive. Now, yeah. nothing against BYO, but mm. if you've already pre-set that, there's not much interaction besides taking an order and opening that I can 
I can do. Yeah. But potentially, you know, have a, a pre-dinner, open up your, your good bottle. But, yeah, I, I would definitely say be wise with what you're going to yeah. bring. So, and that's not directed at Christopher so much, but uh, here's some general rules for BYO, people. If it's on the wine list, don't take it. <laughs> if it's cheaper than the corkage, like if it's a $40 corkage for an expensive bottle of wine, I think it's cheap. Yes. Don't, don't take it. If it's if it's like super current and super commercial, maybe, but probably not. Try and if you've got a seller, try and take something older, you know, and be prepared to let the guys who are opening it have look a, after have, you. Look after you, but have a crack at it too. Mm. Always order something else else off the wine list and tip. That would be my advice because it's not like you can rock up with a bottle of Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc and go, why is the corkage 40 bucks? You're going to the wrong restaurant and taking the wrong wine. Mm. Yeah. So, And if that's all you can afford, that's fine. Then but in there that are case, venues that service that. Correct. Then go to a nice place on Victoria Street and have it with a, a cheap Asian meal that's really amazing or whatever. I know. mean, we're trying to uphold skill and an experience and we're wanting to connect with the customer so that they do return. I mean, a restaurant of 40 years has that life because mm. of that interaction and experience and, and knowledge. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely say be mindful yes. and, you know, say, Cara, I've got this or, Richard, I've got this, I'm going to bring it in a little earlier, relax and and let us do, do our thing. I mean, I've had people um, sort of give me instructions and oh. order. It's like... <laughs> I Not promise I've been, doing, I've been doing this for a while. They would have been yeah. visiting from Sydney for sure. <laughs> <laughs> then on Hello to all of our Sydney listeners. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, it's it does open up a whole can of worms, doesn't it? But in the end, someone who's well-trained, qualified, you've grown up in this scenario. And I, I, know, I know how great your palate is and how well-regarded you are all over the place. It is a bit demeaning when someone <laughs> tells you how to do your bloody job, right? Yes. Yeah, so... So don't. But we're there, we're there to look after you. And, yeah. you know, I'll be honest, I mean, I'm not a great cook. My no. restaurant and my father and the chefs in the kitchen are, but yeah. I don't possess those skills nor the time. Yeah. So bringing a, a really great bottle where a chef has got some fabulous dishes for you to pair with, I mean, it's all worth it and you get served. It's not like COVID that you've then got to get back in the kitchen, clean, yeah. make sure it's hot, put the jus. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. One of, one of my favourite things to do at a restaurant is just go, right, I've got this amount of money, go do what you want to do. You mm. can just cater anything you want if you if you want to do it. Like you can pick the food, pick the wine, I don't care. Just do your thing if that's your thing. I love it when someone does that. I love it when someone comes into my store and goes, I need 12 bottles, I need six red, six white. They've all got to be different. I've got this budget. And I go, oh, cool, great, let's it's go. It's so much fun. It's heaps of fun. Because you, you're using those interpersonal skills and that's 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 what this industry is about. Yeah. And, and also, also having an open mind to things on the menu that you might not typically try. Exactly. Or, or, you know, foods that you might not typically like, you know, let the chef, you know, work their magic and you might find something new. Yeah. Question without notice, because I just read about it this morning when I got up, mm. is about the City of Yarra Council's new food laws. Oh my Have you heard about this? I haven't looked at it as uh, yet. Well, it's not. Maybe we shouldn't talk about it then. But they're like basically like the guys at Rumi aren't allowed to make kibinaya anymore unless they have a certain food plan for all oh, this stuff. No. Have you, Steak tartare. Yeah, basically it's for some venues it might be difficult to even bother with because they've got a, you know. So are That's you, really sad. Yeah, so isn't that sad? We have some fabulous, uh, very 
uh, almost Henry VIII style open fireplaces. Yeah. And so when my dad first sort of established the restaurant and, and got things up and going, the fireplaces have these high grates and the coals fall down so that you can char grill. Yeah, cool. And the char grill would be like a very fine, he does a fabulous piccata di vitello where the veal is these really fine escalops and you just do it on the char grill, on that grill at the fire yeah, in front I'm of the so customers. I'm so hungry now. <laughs> uh, with sort of this olive oil, lemon, Mediterranean herbs. It's d- delicious. Yeah. You can't do a really thick, you know, Fiorentina or a T-bone. But anyway, the council, we've had to stop doing that because the council wants us to have a sink, a sink and food safety. Oh, yeah. And it's just like if yeah. you go to some fabulous places in Tuscany, I mean, Tuscany is the homeland of, of grilling. That's yeah. really about their meats. Mm. And, you know, Chianti and Brunelli goes really well with it. Um, and it's sort of just ta- – it's almost like the outdoor dining has to have so many restrictions and checks and balances. Yeah. You know, Paris, all those sorts of cities – live on a very liberal, but people sort of know the rules almost and yeah. know not to behave badly. Yeah. And so that, that's really sad to hear. I mean, we put carne crudo on this year, which is effectively a steak tartare from Piemonte. Right. Um, we cannot use the veal because we can't get that veal here. Yeah. Um, and that is the beauty of that dish. Right. But it's actually been very popular. I was scared because I thought the, the name of the dish would not be as popular as carpaccio. Right which we pioneered in, I don't know, circa 88, 91. Right, yeah. <laughs> but um, that, that's really horrific to see that they're now dictating. Yeah. I mean, well, there's so much processed food anyway. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, who's honestly, they're like, give us an example of when someone's gone home and been sick from eating steak tartare. From a really fine... good venue. It was the same with COVID. Like, oh, you know, yeah. all restaurants were kept in the same. I mean, McDonald's is classified as a restaurant. Like, yeah. that's not really... Yeah. Well, that's not what dining's about in this. No, case. the old beef, the the Big Mac carpaccio. Oh. I don't really want. <laughs> there is a trend. There is a trend going around on on TikTok and and on Insta at the moment though of like, oh, here's a three Michelin star chef. We've given him maccas and he's going to come up with something. And they just dice everything oh, up and, seen these, yeah. and make it into like like some little pasta. It's like, come on, mate. Anyway, let's not. I think go Eleven down. Medicine Park had to get a hamburger for a customer to serve with his. And they literally had to get someone to walk down right. the street and get, and that's what he wanted. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not often that I'm speechless, Cara, but with a Lafitte or I don't know something fabulous. Oh, well, if you've never had a Big Mac with a you know, 71 Domaine de la Romani Conti, then you've never lived. <laughs> I don't know anyone who has. Uh, text in if you have. That would be hilarious. <laughs> We're waiting for our DRC texts to come in. Um, so we've got uh, Jordan Gravestein in the studio. My name's Richo Damani and Cara Masano from Masani Dining Room there in Carlton. Uh, can we talk about Mushroom Gate? Oh, God. Because the last time I saw you, we were sort of right in the thick of that and I couldn't believe that it actually had affected restaurants and people, what people were doing in Victoria. Look, I didn't really... Think much about it. We have um, two dishes. So we have a tortellini, handmade tortellini filled with mushroom and veal, done with a, a medley of exotic mushrooms and a porcini broth. And then there's also the pappardelle. Sorry, guys. I'm so <laughs> hungry. <laughs> oh, Lord. You should hear the, the lyrics on wine tastings. Anyway, so the, the pappardelle tossed through with, um, again, exotic mushrooms, a little truffle oil, and some parmigiano reggiano. And we had guests abstain from that dish because of this saga of the deaths that occurred with that lady in... Yeah, in Gippsland. Look, it's a serious thing. We understand that. But 
Not but a venue would not buy. I know it's become all the rage in certain farm-to-table marketing and restaurants and degustations in yeah. the country. Yeah. But you know, and we were famous during the lockdowns for our grocery store for selling the most fabulous array of mushrooms, usually from South Australia. Yeah, right. Um, really, these we called them jewelry boxes, and they were this medley of all these exotic mushrooms. Wow. But you would never use ingredients that you could not trace back or, uh, yeah. Oh, no. We haven't killed anyone yet. No. Well, it was, <laughs> and no one's ever been sick from eating mushroom, a, a jewellery box of mushrooms from a top Italian restaurant in Exactly. Carlton. Come on, mate. Let's, let's call Don't, you know, don't sell me a toilet and tell me it's the Taj Mahal. <laughs> but it, it really did affect a lot of people. Because it really did. It had this aftermath. It was the same with, you know, coughing in public places. Mm. That oh, people thought oh, yeah. you had COVID and you had to apologise because... I don't know. Yes. It was but, just that association. Yes. But no. on, on the mushrooms, it was around that same time I um, took a plane and uh, on Qantas it was a mushroom quiche that they were giving out to everybody and oh, it must be like 80% of the plane just didn't touch it. Like, that they is took, ridiculous. They took it, saw it was mushroom and left it there. I'm showering into this thing going, why is the plane not? And I worked it out obviously, but <laughs> how, how mental. Yeah. It is. And it's just it's literally by association. It's perhaps, you know, mass thinking like the toilet paper scenario. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to run out of toilet paper? <laughs> well, I had that with I had that with a, cu- a lovely customer who just kept even though we never stopped serving people during covid, right? Yeah. He just was like, oh, "I need to buy every bottle of Jembrook Hill Pinot you've got." And I'm like, "Look, I'm sure that that's great, but I'll, I'm open tomorrow and I've got another four cases. Oh, I need them today just in case." I'm like, oh. "The fear Man, of, what, of missing out." I just imagine this guy in the apocalypse like you know, with a shotgun and a, you know, sitting on his porch with a rocking chair just smashing out Jembrook Hill for the win. Yeah, just a pallet of it. You know, and it certainly wasn't Andrew Marks, but I'm sure Andrew... I found that with pre-arrival wines and allocation. So, you know, there was this fear that during the pandemic or post-pandemic that perhaps other venues couldn't obtain certain high-end stock. Ah. And so, yeah, I really had to watch my allocation, though, those pre-arrival offers with I see certain what you mean. suppliers. Yeah. Yeah, so, so and it's like there'll be the next vintage. Yes. No, so you're not hoarding. Of De Monte or whatever coming through. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, hoarding, exactly. Hoarding. It's hoarding. Oh, it's, it's crazy stuff how we behave sometimes. It human. really is. Um, well, look, I mean, we've got about two minutes left. Oh, so, <laughs> I mean, we have to just keep getting you in as our, as our <laughs> wonderful food guy. But, um, you know, basically we've covered some of the stuff, but ha- how do you see, do you see the future of dining in Melbourne as pretty strong at the moment given, the, given what we've all been talking about? Yeah, look, about? I think it is. I think people are very cautious with what they consume, but there are those customers that do come in and splash out. Corporates, I think, have definitely cut back. Yes. Smaller groups. Yes. You know, I mean, for us, a function or an event was always minimum 40, 50, 60 people, whereas now they're a lot smaller, groups of 10, 15, 20, et cetera. Um, potentially, you know, just a glass of wine and a main. Um, but that's that's good. You know, go out to those really gorgeous places and support them. Mm. You're paying just as much in more casual venues. Um, yes. With oh. surcharges and you're helping yourself to cutlery, you've got to collect this. And yeah. Oh, but even if you're on one of these delivery apps, which I don't like, um, you're buying some double hamburger from some local joints, 25 bucks for the hamburger. Yeah, I know. And then plus you get chips, then deliver 40 bucks. We well, might as well go to a there's, lovely there's restaurant. There's very much a, 
a I just don't know how certain dishes are getting priced yeah. and things like more premium ingredients such as you know scallops prawns um, game duck things like that they they sort of disappeared a bit so if you don't have people going to some good venues and supporting them it can't all just be brisket